Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 44. This week, we talked to John Sanmez about all the details software developers didn't learn in school, creating a DMZ in Azure, and the Joel test for programmers. Hey, Carl, we got a great guest this week. It's John Sanmez. He is author of Soft Skills and a life coach for software developers, and he's all about making the complex simple. Welcome, John. How's it going? I am doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Hopefully, you're living somewhere warm. I, I, I'm in Tampa, Florida, so... Uh, oh, <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> exactly. I'm trying not to talk about that too much. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm at minus 20-something with the with the wind chill right now. I, I'm in a habit. I, I go out and I walk for lunchtime every every day, and uh, I got my coat on, and I was about to walk outside. I'm like, oh, wait. You know, like, I would die if I went out there, so not a good idea. And Carl's right there with me, right, Carl? <laughs> yep. Okay, so let's jump into feedback. So, Carl, you set up this poll. You want to tell us about this? Yeah, uh, if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter, I sent out links to a poll this week, and uh, we updated our artwork on the album feeds this week. Uh, uh, we had kind of a plain blue background with with the logo on it, and we just kind of spiced it up, uh, made it a little bit uh, pixely background, and we just wanted your thoughts on it. And so I put out a few options. Uh, great, love it. Uh, you changed something. Terrible, hate it, or meh. And uh, uh, 86% of you loved it, which is awesome. Thanks a lot. And uh, there was uh, 14% of you were uh, sarcastic uh, people saying you changed something. (laughs) So um, that just means that uh, uh, myself and Brandon Martinez, uh, a lot of thanks to him. He helped really refine the image that uh, we were going for. Yeah, I was no help at all. You guys were copying me out there and I had I had no input whatsoever. I am not a graphic designer by any stretch of the imagination. It looks good, though. Yep. And uh, so that should be out on all the feeds. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And then I learned something about iTunes this week. So Carl grabbed some feedback, some some new iTunes reviews. And uh, I went out to the iTunes site and I'm like, where the heck are you getting these from, Carl? Apparently, the iTunes website for our show doesn't show all of the latest feedback. I'm not sure how it selects that, but there are uh, there is some feedback out there in iTunes. So why don't we go through those, Carl? Yes, uh, a Scott Zathmary. I pretty much I'm I'm pretty sure I botched your name, looks but correct uh, actually. <laughs> yep, uh, he gave us five stars and uh, kind of just summed up what we do, and uh, it sounds like he enjoyed it. And uh, somebody else, uh, LLCFJK, said it was a great podcast with five stars, and he likes the the great guest each week. And he likes our consistent cadence. Um, so uh, we appreciate uh, all, all of your feedback, uh, positive. And if you have something that uh, you want us to improve upon, we have a lot of ways to uh, get us feedback uh, at MS Dev Show. Email us at feedback at msdevshow.com, Twitter, Facebook. Um, we're, we want to hear your input. So uh, keep sending yep, it to and us. And we definitely appreciate those iTunes reviews. Those are huge. And then we did have, uh, what was the... The comment we got again on Twitter, I didn't put it in here, but it was from, was it from Aaron NZ, I think on Twitter? Yes. Uh, yeah. He really liked being, uh, uh, getting his feedback in there, especially on the same episode that, uh, Scott Hanselman was. Yeah. On, so, so what we're going to keep doing, he's going to, he's going to keep saying, Hey, I was, I was mentioned on the MS dev show. And then, uh, we're, you know, he's going to, he's going to tweet about it. We're going to mention it. And then he's got to tweet about it again. So he's going to keep the feedback going week after week. <laughs> We just got to get that shameless plug in there somewhere. Okay, so news. We have uh, not a lot this week, but some good stuff in here. So the first one was uh, a blog post uh, that was actually came out. It was a a couple months ago it came out. It's called Creating DMZ in Azure Part 2. 
And part one is actually uh, obsolete now. So part two is really like the, the latest version of this. But I needed this for a recent project and this came in very handy. So it basically shows how you can replicate sort of a traditional uh, DMZ type architecture that you would normally have, um, you know, in your own data center where you have some front end web servers, you have a firewall and then you have like application tier and a DB tier. Uh, this shows how you set that up in Azure. So it's it's really useful as sort of a, a reference architecture there. And it just walks you through setting up that whole thing. So if you need to do this type of architecture, I recommend checking out this article. And then the next one we have, who is this next one by? Um, I don't know. The name sounds yeah, familiar. Who is this? John, John Sanmez. <laughs> I, I think I know that guy. So this one, you, you had mentioned this one just blew up. So this is the, the Joel test for programmers, uh, the simple programmer test. So do you want to tell us about this one, John? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've always been a fan of the Joel test for, and, and someone actually, I, I, I can't take full credit for it. Actually, multiple people have said, Hey, John, you should do like a Joel test for programmers. So I had this kind of on my burner and, and then I decided to do a blog post on it and just come up with, you know, kind of the same like 12 questions that I would like self-evaluating yourself as a, as a programmer, sort of with the same feel of the Joel test. And so I wrote this up and it just exploded like crazy. It got yeah. front page life hacker for the last three days. It's been the top life hacker article on their site. Wow. And uh, I have my servers are melting down. Like I've gotten somewhere around 120,000 page views in the last three days. It's just <laughs> nuts. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, this is pretty good. So you have uh, you have 12 items on here, just like the original test. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of uh, Joel's articles. It's kind of a, a shame that he stopped writing. Uh, but luckily you're, you're there to, to step in and sort of take over. Um, let's see here. I don't, I don't know if I want to go through all of these, but yeah. Uh, can you use source control effectively? It's talking about naming things, design patterns, being able to debug test. And, uh, yeah, in general, I mean, there's always, um, uh, good developers that, that I, that I've talked to, they always have this, you know, ability to, to troubleshoot and, and to use these tools effectively. So this, this was pretty good. This was a really good read. And you, you go through and you have a pretty extensive explanation of each of these as well. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to give a little bit more, you know, my, my idea was that someone could go through this list and kind of go through and personally checklist it and see, okay, is there some weakness area? Cause yep. you can't always see your weaknesses, right? So this is kind of, you know, these are the things that I would evaluate. And then I tried to give a little bit of a description to say, okay, well, okay. How would you evaluate this honestly for yourself to determine if you're, if you're meeting this or not? Yeah. And then you can, you know what to work on to be exactly. more well-rounded and no, that's pretty cool. The the one that I, I have a little bit of a problem with, and, and it's only because, you know, people can take it the wrong way is number two, can you solve algorithm type problems? Because you, you kind of get into some of those, you know, the classic interview questions where it, if somebody who is, you know, giving out a, an algorithm type test, they either make it too easy, yep. too hard, or just a trap. Right. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's important, but it's important to kind of get the heart of, you know, how to think through a problem, not can you spit back, uh, you know, how to reverse a string using a stack or something. I mean, because that's something that you would expect somebody fresh out of college to be tested on, not, you know, a senior engineer. Well, I think, exactly. And I think the way that, that John explained this, though, I think was pretty good because these aren't these aren't necessarily like interview type questions. These are things that you could ask yourself. So it's like, I know that I'm, or at least I ha sort of have this feeling mm -hmm. that I'm, that I'm weak at, at number two, Carl. 
Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, that was whenever I, uh, whenever I last interviewed, that was something that I was able to focus on. So I think it's useful from that perspective, but yeah, you and I, Carl, I've talked about this on the show before that, um, you know, the, the, whenever you, whenever you ask this type of problem, you know, you do like a, uh, you know, please write the, you know, write this code on the whiteboard to solve this problem in an interview. Mm-hmm. The person is not in the same environment that they would be normally solving that problem in, yeah. which makes it pretty useless for that interview, I think. Cause even some of the really simple programming things, like there's things that I know there's programming problems that I know offhand and I could easily whiteboard them and they could probably ask me something really simple and my head would just sort of get cloudy in the interview and I would look like a complete idiot. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, you know, this is one of those things that falls into that category of things that you you don't, I don't necessarily agree with, right. This isn't how the perfect world should work, but this is the reality of the world we live in. So you should adapt to it. Like what I mean by that is there's a whole category of these things where it's like, yeah, I, I, I also don't think that, you know, whiteboard interviews should be the way that you interview people, but a lot of people still do it. So it's like, you should probably know how to do it so that you're prepared for it. And I think there's a, a bunch of different things in the software development community that are, are kind of like that. So that's why I included it on there. But um, yeah. but it's also, you know, it, it kind of goes to show too, like if you practice this skill specifically because you know that people are going to ask this in an interview and you get good at it, well, then then you'll you'll have no sweat. You know, that that's probably the hardest thing, the most terrifying thing in an interview. And so if you can tackle that thing, then it, it's going to give you kind of a leg up on everyone else, even if it's not the best way to judge a, a developer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another thing, too, even when you look back at the original list by Joel, the companies that he runs don't score a 12 out of 12 on them. So it's not, he's not, you know, picking something that's, you know, we're, we're going to do necessarily. These are aspirational as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I was terrified of, of those algorithm problems whenever I interviewed at Microsoft. Fortunately, it was more architecture based. I had to, um, I had to uh, design and it was actually designing, explaining an architecture that I had already written. So that, that was, that was nice because I felt at home and then I had questions asked on that. So if you have a good interviewer, they won't, uh, you know, they'll, they'll make it so that they can still get the information they need without making it impossible for you. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. So what is the third story? Optimize loading XAML. What is this, Carl? So, you know, I, I like working in XAML. I like the MVVM pattern, but I kind of suck at making complex XAML as a whole. And I found this MSDN article and it really kind of showed some best practices on you know how to organize your resources your xaml um how how not to do things they have a lot of examples that are just marked bad code i'm looking at them it's ever but you know it's not like it's at the top it's every single line of code in some of these samples it says bad code do not use in all caps yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna copy and paste this into some of my code (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And, and, and a lot of times it's not just, you know, you know how to organize it's, you know, um, you shouldn't redraw pixels that, you know, might be overlapping. So it, it shows you how to avoid doing that, you know, really, th- you know, really things that you might not think of initially, but when you're especially you know, using stuff in universal apps where you're working on mobile devices and tablets, that's stuff that really affects battery and, and performance as a whole. So I think this is a really good resource if you're like me, not a pro at XAML, enough to be dangerous. Even if you are a pro, some of the things that you might have forgotten. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> okay, so let's move on and talk to John. 
So John, I, a few weeks ago, I bought your book and I went through, I actually read the whole thing cover to cover because uh, I thought the, the topics were, were really compelling and, and something that uh, every developer should really understand. So you had top, some of the interesting topics in there that I saw were like interviewing uh, different types of companies, uh, which is great, especially for like the area that Carl and I are in. Uh, freelancing, resumes, marketing yourself, speaking, teaching, productivity, learning, uh, salary and spending, investing, fitness and relationships, which is, you know, most technical books don't get into a lot of the stuff at the end of that list. So I thought that this was awesome because I go out, I go to the local university here and I speak to the computer science class every year. And I always struggle with what the, to tell them because I want to tell them you know, meaningful, useful information, but I don't want to overwhelm them. And a lot of the stuff that you have on the list here is stuff that I try to talk about, talking about some of the, you know, working for a company that, that sort of puts you in it versus, you know, are you creating the product that the company sells? I know I talk about that quite a bit. And then, um, just all the other stuff in here. I mean, this, I just, I thought this was, this was like the instruction manual for, for anybody that's getting into the field and potentially, you know, even if you've been in the field for a while, looking through these chapters and sort of filling in the gaps, I just, I thought this was a, this is an awesome book. And I, I really encourage everybody to get it. And I know it probably sounds like an infomercial. Uh, we actually, we reached out to John, he didn't even reach out to us. And we said, we, we want to talk to you about this because this is such cool stuff. Um, so I, I just, you know, I just want to mention, I thought it was a really cool, useful book that I think that everybody should at least, uh, at least take a look at purchasing. Well, thank you. I appreciate yeah. the, you know, the glowing review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Jason says, this is this is a pretty amazing book. But uh, what what motivated you to write this? So you know, th- it basically came down to to a lot of of what you what you described this this idea that if you know if I could get in the DeLorean, get in a time machine, and you know, and and hand myself you know my ten year old or ten ten years ago self or fifteen years ago self when I was kind of just starting out my career, a book this is what it would be. So I, I kind of had that idea in mind, you know, when Manning had approached me about writing a book, they said, well, you've got a fairly decent audience, so you could write a book about, you know, what do you, whatever you want, what do you want to write a book about? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I don't want to write a technical book because those are going to disappear in like a year or two. So I want something timeless, something evergreen. I want to take sort of the the best things that I've learned in my career and in my life. And, and I've had a lot of opportunity to talk to a lot of really, uh, really successful developers and successful people in, in, in general. And I, I want to condense that down into the best of the best that, you know, what, what I could give to someone to, to help them more than anything else that, that I could, you know, I could provide. And that's, that's basically what, what I did or I attempted to do with the book. And so, yeah, that was really my big drive for it. Yeah, no, I thought, I thought everything was, was spot on. I mean, I just kept thinking like, Hey, if I, if I would have been smart enough to, to write the book, (laughs) I would have, I would have written it the same way and and had just about the same content in it. So that was pretty cool. Uh, So I was curious, what is the number one takeaway that you, that some, that you'd want somebody who's reading it to take away from that book? That's that's it's tough. Let me see what um, I, I guess. <laughs> well, especially yeah. since you you have so many chapters, so many topics. I, I guess that you know this is almost kind of an unfair question, but you know what would that be? You know, I guess I guess I would say that I I think the dedication kind of kind of would would be that in the dedication I, I talked about this idea of developers who are who are wanting to continuously improve, and and this idea that you know. Wherever you're at, right? You, you can 
you can learn more, you can do better. Like there's, there's no limit. There's, there's a path that the world says that you need to follow, but you don't have to follow that path. You could choose a, a different path, that there's so much possibility when you, when you have the right mindset. And so, you know, as a developer, as a human being, you know, develop the right mindset, realize that you, there's unlimited potential, that you can really go out there and do what you want as long as you're not afraid to fail and as long as you're not afraid to look like an idiot. There's so many people that, uh, that they limit their, their potential. They limit what they could possibly achieve because they're so afraid of what other people might think or, or this, this small moment of, of being uncomfortable or that feeling of failure of falling on their face and they never 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 get past that in life and so they never see what's out there and so you know i would say the biggest takeaway that that you know that you could get from this book is to realize that you can get past all that that fearing failure is something that's going to prevent you from doing the things that you want to do in your life and reaching those goals that you know being afraid of what people think and and limiting yourself is is going to be something that's going to hurt you that there's there's so much possibility so that's you know I, I don't mean to be too you know out there with it but but really that's i think that's the, the core message of the book is just keep on going just keep on going down the path don't stop and, and keep on trying and don't you know that whole fall down six times get up seven yeah i think i think from like a ten thousand foot view it's uh you know the the only thing to fear is fear itself and then if we translate that down into i think you did a good job in the book of explaining this you know if you if you're stuck on if you're you know you have a project that that you're working on and it's not quite moving forward and i'm i'm guilty of this so guilty of this just start writing some code. Even if you don't know where to like jump in, just like get in there and just push forward. Even if you have to take tiny steps and that will sort of amplify and, and keep you moving forward. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I liked about what you just said is I've talked to a few people uh, about how, how they are directing their careers. And uh, you know, one of the things I found out telling several people over and over again this year is, you know, a lot of people let their careers happen around them. You know, it's, it's, Nothing to, you know, it doesn't mean much. Just grab that wheel and start steering it where you want to. I mean, right. So, uh, you know, I, I like that you have a very similar message there. You know, it really, you know, reminds you that you are in control. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think that's you're absolutely right. When most developers are kind of just floating around and, and letting the the current take them where where wherever it's going to take them. But if you once you start applying a real goal and focus to your career, it's amazing what you could accomplish. I mean, in the last what four or five years of my career, I've achieved a hundred, maybe more than a hundred times what I had achieved in the past fifteen because I didn't have a clear direction for the past fifteen. But once I started making a clear direction, it's it's just amazing, you know, in, in a lot of, I think a lot of technical professionals don't really set out, you know, and, and I'm not talking about having a five-year plan, right? No, no, I've never talked to someone. And, oh, I know. Isn't that said, ridiculous? Actually, <laughs> oh, the, the funny thing was whenever I, whenever I interviewed at Microsoft, the, the one guy asked me, he's like, so where do you want to be in five years? You know, I asked that question and it was funny because at, at the point that I was at, I was like, I'm going to give you the honest answer. And I said, I have no idea. I said, I don't even know what I want to be doing two years from now. I said, I just want to be doing something that I enjoy and I'm just going to take it one step at a time. And that's just kind of where I'm at at this point, you know, and now, now I have a little bit further vision, but I, I think that fluctuates throughout people's careers. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you guys have gone through times when it's just like, okay, here's where I want to be in 10 years. But then other times it's like, mm, I'm not quite sure what I want to be doing in six months. 
Exactly. It's, it's, I always think of it as like, I don't know if you've ever played like World of Warcraft. I mean, not World of Warcraft, but Warcraft mm-hmm. 2 or like Starcraft. And they have the, those games where they have the fog of war. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it is. It's like you can see certain, certain distance yep. and you can plan out to that point. But trying to plan out way past it is just ridiculous because you don't know where you're going to be. You don't know. It, but once you get to the next, to the point, to the edge of where that fog of war, where your field of vision was, then you can see further and then you can plan your steps from there. But that's, you know, but you got to plan something, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, there's, a, there's this balance between saying, oh, well, I, you know, I'm just going to kind of float and, and there's, and, and trying to, you know, come up with this five-year plan that you're never going to stick to that doesn't make any sense. Right. So it's, it's really, you know, planning out as far as you can see, I think. Yeah. I know I want to attack the enemy and I have to go toward the <laughs> fog to get there. That's about all I know right now. <laughs> No, a lot of times when I read books by, you know, software developers at the beginning, there's like a little forward, like this book is geared towards, you know, X. Was there anybody that you were thinking of or targeting in particular? Other than uh, early Marty McFly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, I I was really thinking about targeting my set, my previous self. Like this is. The, a lot of the advice that I try to give people is stuff that I wish someone would have told me because I find that that's the most valuable and I can also relate the most, right? I, I, I can, I can, I remember how I used to think and what my thinking patterns were. And so that's, that's really what I try to try to think about, you know, and, and, and to give you a better idea of who that is, who is my earlier self, it's someone who was just trying to do the right thing and following the path, like what what I would, thought I was supposed to do with my life and my career. And so, you know, I think a lot of developers probably would fit into that same mindset, you know, trying to be someone who's, who's maybe, you know, the, the mentor in the office, but, but not really, but, but being very limited in my thinking, not thinking beyond that. So that's, that's really the, the focus. Uh, a lot of, you know, that audience would probably fall into the space of someone just getting started in their career. But, but I think it, it probably would also be a, some experienced professionals that feel like they're stuck in a rut. So I, I noticed this was just kind of a curiosity of mine. I noticed that the, the physical book was on Amazon, but then the ebook, the, the slash Kindle version was on a different site. I think it was on the Manning site directly. So I was just, I was curious if you want to explain like why, why that was the case. Ah, uh, sure. So I think that's a Manning thing with okay. the publisher. So I don't really have control over it as much as I fight, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll see. Uh, uh, but but essentially, it, it, there's actually a good side of this, which is that if you buy the physical book, you get the ebook automatically. Oh, okay. So so it's almost a better. I don't think deal I, yeah, I don't think buy. I realized that. Yeah, actually, if you open up the front cover, like there's a little insert in there. Yeah, uh, well, I bought. Just, I just books. bought the ebook. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the physical book, there's like a little flap in there and it's got a code and you can enter it and then you get the oh. the, the digital book as well. So, so that it's, it's might kind be of why they deal. did that because they can't, they, they certainly couldn't, I don't think they could give out a Kindle version using that code system. Okay. I was just, yeah. I was just curious about that because the first place I went, I went out to Amazon and I it's like, where is there no ebook version? So anybody who's looking for the ebook version, you just have to go to Manning and it's right there. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, I'd recommend you you can buy the the print version on Amazon, and then you'll get the ebook, and it it's really the same price as the ebook version. You know, okay. <laughs> it's uh, I, yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting how the whole book the book thing works today, because I know yeah. a lot of software developers want it. I I use my Kindle all the time, right? Yeah. So, 
but yeah, I think the, the book industry is not necessarily logical. They just, uh, they have roots, you know, from decades ago and it just, it is what it is. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. When, at least me personally, when, you know, when I'm blogging, when I'm, you know, creating content, I notice that it's way easier to do that when I'm in there doing whatever it is. Um, you know, with, with all that you do with your, with life coaching, with your podcasts, your, your blogging, YouTube channels, plural site courses, do you still find time to write code as much code as you need to, or are you doing that a little bit less and still making up for that in other ways? I'm doing that a lot less now. It's, it's unfortunate. It's, I, I keep on struggling with it. I feel like my whole career, I've been trying <laughs> to like, just be writing code. Cause that's what I love doing. Yeah. But I keep, I always get called into some kind of a teaching role. And so I've, I've kind of realized that that's just who I am. And, and that's the bigger gift that I can bring is, is, is to teach and to be, be more of, of that kind of person rather than, than the code writer. You know, there, there's a lot of people that, that write code better than, than I can write code. So, you know, uh, but, but there's, but there's fewer people that people that can teach and, and, and can help other people in that way as much. So, you know, as much as I hate it, like uh, <laughs> from, from time, you know what I mean? Yeah. I work on small projects and, and things and I still get to do some consulting where I'll, where I'll write code for someone. But, but a lot of my job now is, is really focused on reaching and helping developers, uh, not, not necessarily writing the code myself. So it, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. At some point I'll probably do a sabbatical from my, <laughs> and, and actually go to, on a sabbatical to write code, which is kind of the opposite <laughs> of what most people do. But, um, you know, someday I, I still think that I might, might start developing independent games, uh, just because, you know, I don't think I'll ever not love writing code, Yeah. but, but I, I feel like there's a higher calling right now and I need to, to, you know, to do the thing that, that I am more built to do at this point. So, yeah, it sounds like a really similar struggle to what I go through. Cause I have to, you know, I have to talk to, to people all the time and, and sort of talk at a high level, like here's how you put all these big pieces together. And then I have to talk about how you actually write the code and all these details. And I'll go a couple of weeks without writing any code. And I'm like, Oh, this was, this is not good, you know, cause I'm not going to keep, be able to keep talking about it without writing it. And then I'll go back to writing the code. And then I sort of feel like I'm not doing my job because I'm just writing code and not actually helping people. So it always jumping back and forth and it's always unbalanced. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's a tough, I, 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 what, what I'd like to do is to get some kind of little side project that I can like devote an hour a day each day to, yep. to working on. I think once I maybe hire out some more employees and get more of my, my work kind of, you know, automated or taking some of it off of my shoulders yeah. and I'll have a little bit more time to do that. But it's crazy. I mean, I, I, you wouldn't believe how busy I stay with, with simple programmer just being a one person shop right now. So, okay. Yeah. We'll actually get to a question about that in just a second, but um, I have a couple more before that. Um, so I guess one of the things was, you know, talking about the soft skills book still, um, you know, like any thoughts on how we, we make this required reading in computer science programs and not, not necessarily like this book specifically, but how do we, how do we get the industry as a whole to start teaching this? I mean, I, I talk to the, the local university all the time and, and they're not doing anything remotely like this. They think that, you know, um, I guess I shouldn't bash on any particular classes, but you know, they have like this curriculum and they think that, uh, you know, I don't know, astronomy is important for computer science. Uh, but I, I think that this should be required at, at school. So I don't know if you've ever given that any thought or, you know, um, how do we, how do we change that? How do we make that? So that's more the case. 
Well, you know, I think that it's it, it's a tough one to, to deal with. I, I think that the whole education system is is changing, or, or rather that it can't help but change, right? The, the people that are holding on to the old ways of, of education, the old institutions, uh, you know, as, as much as, as, as some people will be angered that I'm saying this, are, 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 are fighting a losing battle. Mm-hmm. Because with the web, with online learning, with the way that, with the amount of, uh, knowledge that you have to know now and how fast technology moves, this old way of brick and mortar schools is just, it, it doesn't make sense. Plus, you look at all the student loan and debt problems that we have, right? And in, in all of this issue, people are really starting to weigh the cost and say, is it is this really the best way? Do we really need to pay this much money for an education that's outdated by the time that you you get it? And that doesn't teach you everything that you need. You know, and, and you can see this trend as we're moving towards Towards, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying all these uh, boot camp coding boot camps are, are are great, but but there's a big focus on this, and people are getting jobs right out of boot camps. You know, out of out of six months. It doesn't mean that we don't need the craftsmanship, and yeah. you know, I think there, I think somewhere along the line, there's this this balance between kind of what Bob Martin, you know, with the craftsmanship movement and in the apprenticeship. And then these boot camps, and and I think that they're going to unseat traditional education. But but for now, you know what what am I doing in the meantime? I'm actually putting together a list of of as many CS professors as I can, and I am going to contact them and offer to send them a copy of of soft skills. Oh, okay. um, so because I because I you know just like you, I, I immediately said I really would like to get CS professors. You know, get teaching, teaching the. I don't care if they teach my book, but the concepts in the book because these are so critical. These are the right. things that you know. I get fifty emails a day from CS students that are are saying, you know, help me. I have no idea how to do this. It's, you know, they're just not being equipped in in these other ways. And so, if if we can help them, I think it 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 helps us all as a help as a whole. You know, this this whole software development community. Because you know this is where our future is. So okay, that's that's great. And and after the show, I'll, I'll give you the name of a, a professor here that would be very open to that. And and what's interesting is I know that the curriculum sometimes it takes a long time to make changes in there. And and one of the tricks to sort of circumvent that is to you know some of the some of the class names are a little mushier than others. So you take one of these sort of generic classes and they can they can adjust the teaching to maybe talk about soft skills in there. So if it's like a project management class, you know, they could talk about soft skills in there and sort of sort of shoehorn it in and and still, yeah. you know, not really rock the boat, but still make it so that all the students that, that go through that program get those skills. So that's sort of a, a backdoor in. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's what. You know, I know it's a touchy kind of political issue. I probably shouldn't even talk about the education <laughs> systems, but it's you know this is the reality. Things are changing. They yeah. have to you know they have to change. And but we at the same time, it's like oh, we have to be practical as well. Like what can we do now with the way that the systems are? And you know the the thing is to get the word out to be able to to help the students that are in the system right now as much as possible. Um, I, I've never been a big fan of gatekeepers, so. 
sometimes I, I view the higher education institutions as, as gatekeepers. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I go a little bit head to head, but, but I'm happy yeah. to help, you know, it, 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 there's, it's, it's a case by case basis, right? Certain people are, are trying to help. If someone's genuinely trying to help, genuinely trying to, you know, teach the young people the craft and, and to, to equip them, then, then we're, then I'm on the same team as that person. Right. So. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I have a question. So you were, you were recently on uh, .NET rocks and you had mentioned that you frequently use Odesk, which I, I think I had heard about in passing previously, but you can go in there and you can basically hire people short term for, for different projects or for certain tasks. Uh, it's like a freelancing slash outsourcing site. So I was kind of curious um, if you have any good examples of what they use them for. Cause I've, I've been aware of these sites for a long time and I've always struggled. I I've only done one project uh, it was a long time ago. I think it was for getting like Google page rank. And I was like, Hey, I need this written in, I don't remember what the language was. It was like, I need this in C sharp and it needs to do this. And here's some unit tests. And I kind of threw it over the wall and I got something back within, I think it was a few hours and it cost me like 50 bucks, but I'm curious what types of things you use uh, these types of sites for. Well, so, so today I use a lot of it for the production of my, of my stuff, right? I, I in fact, I just hired someone off of Odes to produce the Entreprogrammers podcast. Yeah. And at a very, very reasonable price, uh, and you know, this person is going to go and you know take the video, can edit the video, put overlays, put our sponsor messages in, not intros, outros, clean up the audio, post it all, you know, do show notes, all this stuff. So, so that's definitely you know, those are things that uh, it, usually I'll use it for things that where I can't add any real value from my skill set. And if it, you know, I'm, I'm trying to delegate more and trying to, because if I want to grow and, and I have to at this point, because of just how much, how many hours I'm working, I've got to be able until to that cloning that. technology pans out. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I've used it for that, for, uh, for things like uh, any kind of, uh, creative art type of thing. So like for my, how to market yourself as a software developer course, I wrote up, you know, I wrote four eBooks for that course, but I formatted them in Word. Yeah, <laughs> I had a, a graphic artist, someone who knows Adobe InDesign, go and make them look nice and make them, you know, because that's part of what someone is paying for is they're paying for, you know, for for that kind of thing. So I've had those kind of jobs, and I've had some programming jobs I've done, of course, as well. Which this, you know, there, there's some really good programmers out there that are in. India or in the Philippines or or somewhere where the the pace is where where they're happy to 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 get you know fifteen or twenty bucks an hour and and they can do the equivalent job of someone in the U.S. that might get paid a hundred dollars an hour yeah. you know now the the biggest difference for the reason or the biggest reason for the difference right now which you probably have experienced is the communication gap and so you know, that's, that's, that's the thing is like when you hire off of Odesk, you have to vet people out and you have to be very clear in what you want. Yeah. You know, I think, I think, I think in the U S yeah. And in the U S we're more inclined to think for ourselves, like to, you know, if, if you were to give me a project and say, do this, I might ask you questions and I might kind of figure it out. But I found that a lot of the, the people that I would outsource to Odesk, they will do exactly what I tell them right. to do. And they will not take the extra step to think for themselves because they don't want to be wrong. And so, so there's trade-offs, you know, you, you, everything comes, you know, priced into, to what, to what the market is. Yeah. I, I think so. I was surprised. Cause I, whenever I did it, I actually had somebody from the U S do it, but I had the exact same experience. So I'm not, I'm not convinced it's a, you know, geographic or anything like that. Um, I, I think it's, uh, it, it's literally just the, the type of work that goes on there is what it seemed like yeah. to me. 
But you have, yeah, you have a lot more. Right. Yeah, you have a lot more experience with it though as well. But yeah, but it's interesting. It's, yeah. it's definitely something to con- to consider. It, it's it's nice that we have this army of yeah. people out there for. I mean, just about whatever you can think of. The only the only difficulty, the only problem I have with with Odes is that you have to vet people carefully. So that that requires work, and that's a pain, and I don't like doing that. Yeah. <laughs> now I've heard you on a bunch of other podcasts, and have really gotten the sense that you're really into productivity. Can you give us a little bit of a summary on how you approach time management for your own personal uh, stuff? Sure. So, I mean, the number one tip I'll give, which again, I'm going to give a lot of unpopular things, but <laughs> uh, is is t- cut out the TV as much as possible. M- a majority of people that say they don't have time for things spend a lot of time watching TV. Now, I mean, I can understand if, if someone, but if someone wants to watch TV, but make it an active choice, not a default behavior at least. And if you really, really want to build that side project, if you really want to, you know, do that thing, then, then cutting out TV is going to save you a huge amount of time. No, I, now, I totally that, agree with that actually. Oh, good. Okay. Well, <laughs> <not alone then. laughs> no, I, we, we canceled cable a long time ago and we, I just, anytime I'm watching, if I'm just watching TV, I, I just always had this, there's this voice in the back of my head, like you're just, you're wasting time. Like you're not doing anything constructive. Now, that being said, like my wife and I, after the kids will go to bed, we usually, we usually pick a certain show and on Netflix and then we'll, we'll watch like one episode a night. And, you know, that's just something that we do together. But uh, yeah, in, in general, I think, I think that's, that's like the biggest key to getting a whole bunch of, of your time back is to cut out TV for most people. Yep. Yep. Um, and then from there, you know, I'd say I always t- tell people to to actually chart their time and, you know, take for three days, just chart where you spend every hour of your time. It's meticulous, but do it. it you, if you do that exercise, you're going to figure out where your time is going. And not only where is it, where is it going, but where it could be leveraged best, right? Uh, and then and then I personally, what I do is I've got, I mean, I've got a few different productivity systems, but my basic one is is I basically use a, a, a Kanban board, uh, sort of like a Trello. I, I use a program called Kanban Flow. But I essentially every week I map out. I've got different uh, lanes for or different columns for the days of the week, mm-hmm. and then I basically go in and I combine this with the Pomodoro technique, where I basically you know, you it, you work for twenty five minutes, you take a five minute break, then you in its focus work, and I I sort of. Uh, you know, assign Pomodoros so that it's almost like story points to to all the tasks, and I, I map out my entire week, and I know what I'm supposed to be working on. You know, when when you don't know what you're supposed to be working on, that's when you you waste time. Yep. But I know exactly what I'm supposed to be working on, exactly what's going to get done that day and that week, and that that keeps me super productive. You know, I, I set very high goals for myself productivity wise, but I'm able to achieve them. Oh, there you yep, guys. I use the same system. Timer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We don't have video, but yeah, that's my, uh, that's my tomato timer. Actually, yep. I just got that, <laughs> but yeah, I, I have a really similar system. I use, uh, I, I use, still use Trello and then I use uh, Pomodoro and, uh, and yeah, that works really well. And I wish I, we didn't include a list here, but um, I know you have this just insane list of, um, of things that you've done. I think you had a blog post. What was it called? It was, uh, um, my key to insane productivity. Am I getting that right? Oh yes. Something like, uh, my ridiculous productivity. Yeah. I'm trying to find the, uh, the exact one. Basically you, you have like a list of, of the the amount of stuff that you did within a year. And it was just crazy. I mean, the number of uh, plural site videos that you put out there, the, um, you know, you wrote a book at the same day. Yeah. What do you have? Your 56 blog posts, uh, 30 full length courses for plural site, 
uh, 40 episodes of Get Up and Code podcast, 50 YouTube videos, published a book, spoke at four events, contract work, uh, he created a product, uh, running, lifting weights. I mean, it's just just incredible um, the you know, the amount of uh, uh, productivity you have if you if you actually focus on the product uh, the productivity like you have and really get it dialed in. Yeah, yeah, it, it's hard, and it, I, I still feel guilty, right? I, I do, yeah. I, I, you know, because I still waste time. There's still so there's, I mean, in my, my whole reason for saying that is that there's a lot of time. Like a lot of people that complain that they don't have time. If if you figure out how to be productive, if you get good systems in place, you'll find out how much time you're wasting in that. That you can, you have a lot of time. You can accomplish a lot in a year time. Yeah, so. yeah, and it's just it's how you prioritize. Yeah. The the next question I wanted to ask is a little bit near and dear to me because I've really learned a lot about this over the past couple of years, but you talk a lot about personal branding. Why should our listeners care about personal branding? Okay. Yeah. So this one, you know, this is really the the thing that, that I, I, I've I've been focused on a lot with my, how to market yourself course and, and things like that, because I think it, it, well, first of all, developers don't, like the term marketing very much at all, mm-hmm. but it's so, so important to understand this because this is the multiplier to your, to your rev, to the amount of money that you make in your career and, and to really the, the, uh, the success of your career, because, and here's the example that, that I, I like to use and you can see it in a lot of different industries, but if uh, someone had just told me, they said, uh, cause they know that I like these kind of stats, but they'd sent me a tweet and they said, uh, judge Judy makes $47 million a year. And a Supreme Court justice makes two hundred twenty-five thousand. <laughs> right now, from a qualification perspective of education of skill level, right? Judge Judy's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome, right? She, she, she knows her <laughs> stuff. But I don't think she's a lot more qualified than a Supreme Court justice. Uh, so you know, and, and I'll throw out a few more examples. You know, Bill Clinton gets paid two hundred thousand dollars to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Again, I think he's a really good speaker. I think his skill level for speaking is is ten out of ten. But I don't think it's so good that you know that the average professional speaker that makes ten thousand dollars a talk that he's worth that much more, right? Um, I would say musicians. You see the same thing. Celebrity chefs, right? Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. He's he he's more than just you know, a really good chef. He's a personality, right? He but so all of these people that are on the super super high end of the pay scale. Uh, they, the thing that they have in common is that they have built some kind of name or reputation or branding for themselves. They're considered an authority in their area. So, so their multipliers for the amount of money that they're able to make is, is ridiculously increased by simply building a name by building. And, and they have huge names. So they have huge multipliers. But my point is that any developer, any person really, uh, if you take your skills, and you multiply it times marketing or building a name for yourself, whatever you want to fill in there, that's essentially, you know, the same thing, building a brand. This is the multiplier that results in your, not just income, but opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Because some people say, well, I make enough money. I don't care. Sure. that That's fine. But also opportunity, right? The ability to, you know, w- when I started really focusing on this for myself, you know, didn't even realize what I was doing. But when that, when that started happening, I started getting all these emails from people and calls and opportunities to do all kinds of things. Like the world just opened up to me. And so I, I, I 
really want to help other developers to be able to to have that same experience. But yeah, having a brand is, is sort of the the first step to doing this because then you know you build some kind of name recognition, you build some kind of authority, and some you want to be the big fish in the small pond. And when you do that, you get this this multiplier times your skills. You get you got to have the skills, otherwise you're a fraud, right? You don't want to be a fraud, but but there you know. A, very few developers, I think very few people in general realize how important that marketing aspect, that branding aspect can be to really getting you kind of the exponential results. Yeah. And then I would say that that, that fear of losing your job or, or clinging on to the, you know, the current work that you're doing, that goes away because it, it just becomes, you know, if you're, if you, if you're well networked and um, you, you know, if you have the right connections and in something, you know, your company goes out of business or whatever, it's going to be a piece of cake to find something else. You know, I've been, I've been in, in both situations. I was, you know, actively looking at one point where, um, you know, I, I had been in the industry a little bit more and I knew a lot of people and it's just like, everybody's just like, yeah, we have openings here and positions there. And it was just, you know, the world looked, looked that way. And, you know, if you go back a few years before that, um, I didn't really know many people and I started looking at some random companies and you apply and you don't hear back and it makes just all the difference in the world. Exactly. Yep. And I, and I think it doesn't even have to be yeah. that big, but if you can be known as that guy in, in, in your company, on your team that, you know, he's the one who gets things done or he's the one that, you know, he's the specialist for this, that that's yeah. a lot too. So, I mean, this branding doesn't have to be something like, there, I, I know some people are going to be out there um, and saying, well, I don't want to be known for this or I don't have that big aspirational thing. Well, it, it could just be, you know having a little bit more respect on your team. Exactly. And that could be yeah, enough. That's, that's yeah, a good exactly. Point. Yeah. It, it, the, the thing is like, you know, someone can take away everything else from you, your job title and your money and your house and whatever, but they can't take away your name. And so, you know, how many of us focus on building our name or our image, you know, even if it's just within the company or even if it's, you know, at, at a smaller scale, but that, that's why it, it's a really important thing. It's a, it's an asset that you have your name. When you, when you type your name into Google and what comes up, that's, that's who you are to the world. That's, that's an asset. You, you, you got to put some kind of investment in that and, and, and you'll see, you know, big result. A lot of people just leave it. They just say, well, I'll let the world define who I am. And that's, you know, you get, you got to manage that a little bit because it's either you're going to be the one that's going to be creating that image. You're either going to be the one who's, who's creating your brand or, or other people are going to hoist it upon you. You know, they're going to stereotype you. They're going to, you know, they're going to get to choose who you are. Right. Good point. So hopefully anybody who's listening has, you know, they understand that by now, hopefully. Uh, okay. So stealing, you did a, you did a, a recent, uh, AMA. So I'm kind of stealing a question from that. Um, cause I looked through, there was a lot of people had a really, really good questions in there. So I was curious, what is the biggest life hack that you can share? Oh, but we already covered it. I said, yeah, you had TV. mentioned TV. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I you know that I think that really is the the biggest one for for most people. I'll I'll throw a second one out there okay. since since we already did talk about about TV. Uh, the second one it, I would say is to read good books, and they kind of relate, right? Yeah, R- fill your mind with with the knowledge from other people, and, and be selective in your books, right? I, I I never read a book now unless I've gotten at least several recommendations okay. for that. Book. Yeah, that's a good point. Every single time I get to talk to a famous or successful person or a millionaire or billionaire, I 
ask them, what is the one book I should read? And I get that recommendation. And that has made a huge, huge impact on my life. I feel like I've been able to shortcut a lot of areas and gain a lot of people's wisdom that, that I would, uh, you know, it would have been hard for me to learn on my own by, by reading good books. And, and, you know, I, I try to read, I usually read around 40 to 50 books a year. And, uh, and, you know, that doesn't, it, that's like an hour a day yeah. to be honest. So is it uh, fiction or nonfiction? Typically, uh, I, you know, I've, I, I mostly read nonfiction. I've read a couple of, I, I, I do a lot of audiobooks as well. Yeah. So that, that helps. But, uh, that, uh, that, what's it called? The, uh, Magic 2.0 series. The, uh, I can't remember the name of the author. He did, he does a famous web comic, but, uh, but that is the only fiction book that I've been uh, listening okay. to that. Yeah. Cause I, I, I have read. a, I have a real hard time reading fiction. Cause I, it feels like TV to me <laughs> where I'm just like, like this, okay, this is a good story, but you know, like this isn't really getting me anything, you know, this yeah. isn't really improving me as a person at all. Yeah. The latest, uh, the book that, uh, that, that I just read, um, that I'm almost done with, that's really good is, uh, my boss bought it for me. It's called the innovators. Okay. That's by the same guy who wrote um, uh, the Steve Jobs book, but it, uh, I wasn't quite sure what to expect about it, but it goes through and it, it, uh, I think I mentioned it on the show before, but it talks about, uh, it's just like the history of, of computing. And it's really amazing because it really details, um, you know, a lot of the conversations that have happened in the past and a lot of the, the, um, you know, accomplishment of these people that, that really got us to where we're at and made this podcast technically possible, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, let's see here. Okay. So <laughs> Carl, Carl, I don't think Carl wanted me to ask this one. <laughs> so we, you, you had mentioned, well, uh, okay. Okay. Be- before you ask this, Jason cannot follow up on this. <laughs> you can't, you can't stop me, Carl. <laughs> so you, you had mentioned there was a tweet that you had on Twitter recently. You were talking about, um, abolishing, uh, time zones and you, you, you were supporting abolishing time zones. And I've been so against, I've been against time zones and daylight savings time. I think we should absolutely get rid of both completely. And, uh, you recently stopped supporting that idea. So I want you to explain yourself. <laughs> well, that there was that, that article that that guy wrote. That, that article was crap. I, it doesn't count. <laughs> like it wasn't no no it, it, to no. me it felt like it, it shot holes in because because don't get me wrong like from a from a you know i'm i'm with you so, you know from a from a perspective of i hate time zones and i hate you know and i think it's silly that we have daylight savings and all of this stuff and it just adds extra complexity but then when when you know and so so i i you know i've been been holding that flag and, and marching along with that army. But then this guy made me sort of like question because because he said, well, you know, how are you actually going to implement this? And I don't know. It, it made me start to feel like maybe we can't win no, this battle. We just, like, we just go to one time system. And, and I always argue that the current system is it's just so horribly flawed because I think he was making the argument that, um, you know, like you, you call somebody and they're like, oh, it's 3 p.m., you know, if, if we switch to a new system, let's say we sw- switch to UTC, which would be fine by me. You call them up and they're like, oh, it's 3 p.m. You don't know if it's, you know, if they're eating breakfast or, you know, if, if the sun is out or whatever. But honestly, like it's already broken because it depends whether or not you live on the eastern or western side of a time zone today. Um, yeah. So, you know, like I live on the uh, far eastern side of a time zone and I have a family that lives in the eastern time zone, but they're on the western side of it. And what ends up happening is they actually, their entire day is shifted in hours. So they, they technically 
tend to start work at the same time that I do and they finish work at the same time. And guess what? Primetime TV, when I call them up, if, if, if there is a shit, let, let's say there's a, and this is less of an issue now, but you know, years ago, this was a big issue. You'd call them up and you'd say like, what are you watching? And they could be watching the same show, but the clock says that it's an hour later there. Okay. But that changes their schedule. They're going to stay up to watch that show, you know, cause it's an hour later there. So they were actually on the same schedule as me, even though their clock said something different. So the clock wasn't even accurate in telling you when they would start work, what time they would get up, those types of things. So I, I argue that it's already just broken. And, and I've had people say, well, yeah, but then, you know, this other time it'd be 3 PM and you'd have to do all these calculations. It's like, you already have to do that. I mean, have you ever, I'm sure you've, you've flown John and you've gone like across different time zones. It's horrible. Yeah. And airlines, like it's they, true. they can barely keep this stuff straight. I've written airline software and it's, it's crazy because you know, the, the, your, your airline ticket can have you arriving before you leave. And I mean, it's just, it's, abs- <laughs> yeah. it's, and the current system is complete anarchy and, and it just, I don't know, my, my opinion is we should just get rid of all of it. And, um, you know, then just wherever, wherever you happen to be, you just say, listen, I get up at 3 PM and I go to bed at, you know, whatever, whatever it ends up being. And you just get used to it that way. I don't think that's that big of a deal. I think it's more of a, it's more of a, um, you know, just people used to certain times. And even that, I mean, it messes with your kids, you know, whenever the, whenever the daylight savings time starts, if you have kids, it's just horrible because your kids, they still get up at the same time, but on the clock, it's a different time. Yeah. They get up an hour earlier, an hour later, whatever. It's it's just hard to to change those entrenched things. I would be in support of it if you come up with a good system. I'll 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 help you. Just UTC I'll, I'll, all the way. <laughs> and we it's, it's, software already supports it, so yeah. there we go. We can save billions of dollars on software. So anyway, I'm I'm gonna stop now. Yeah, it's interesting <laughs> though because you know you, to go off another side tangent because sometimes we do things really inefficiently, like we currently you know still use the standard. You know the empirical systems yeah. and the metrics, and and uh, but then also another one. This is one that here here's here's my personal vendetta. Why why do we keep using base ten, and why do we have twenty six characters in in our alphabet? <laughs> if if we went up to like base twenty instead of ten, do we do you know how much more uh, quickly we could do math and advanced math? Uh, it would it would require a lot more learning, right? It, it, yeah. It's same thing with letters. If we if we increase our alphabet from twenty six letters to two hundred and sixty letters, yes, it would take a lot of effort and work to to learn it initially. But imagine how short of books you could write and how how much more concise you could be. I didn't even think writing. of that. Yeah, no, those are so, those are good. Those are good points. Yeah. There's a lot of inefficiencies that I don't know if they'll ever change, but no. And hey, what, while we're at it, why are we using JavaScript for all of the? <laughs> is that really the best programming language for the web? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I go back and forth. We've talked about that on the show a couple of times. I, yeah. I, I have a love hate relationship with JavaScript. I mean, it's yeah. it's really cool in some ways. And and I like today I was writing some C sharp code, and I kept saying if, and then I just put the variable in there instead of having to check not equal to null. And yeah. uh, yeah. So I was missing JavaScript there and being able to pass function pointers around and things like that. I don't know. It's got some nice things. And then it, it's, you know, it's, it's a loaded gun though, for sure. That, that doesn't just shoot out of the barrel. <laughs> Whenever you pull the yeah. trigger, it shoots in a random direction. <laughs> <laughs> I've just decided I'm going to go with the flow. Cause I've had the life, the, the love hate relationship as well. And I, you know, I've, uh, but yeah, I'm just going to go with the flow. You guys just tell me what we're using and I'll use it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can start a movement here. Like you and I can just switch to UTC and, and, uh, ah, you have, you have enough reach. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll catch on. 
podcasters, right? Mm-hmm. This is what, because we always have to schedule people on different times. Yep. So we're just going to be like, no, I'm sorry. If you want to be on my podcast, you're going to have to just switch to UTC. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, and it's impossible to schedule things across time zones. Yeah. It's just, it is oh, yeah. any, so there, there are going to be listeners that are like, no, 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 it's easy. Like Outlook does it for you, blah, blah, blah. Unless you have ever tried to do it. Yeah. Anybody who has ever done it on a regular basis knows that it, it will bite you. It will bite you. Like when you scheduled me for this show, I had to double check like three times. Yeah. I didn't like, know what time zone like, you were in. So I was just like, yeah, it's this yeah. time central. And hopefully, you know, you could figure that out. <laughs> exactly. Cause I have to, like, I know in my head that Eastern is one hour after central, but I, I don't trust myself still. I like, I'm like, okay, let me check. Let me see what Google says. Let me type it into Google. Let me say 2.30 Eastern or Central to Eastern. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. Cause, cause I've been mixed up and wrong so many times that it's like, yep. I, I don't trust myself. And if I so. sent Carl the invite and then he forwarded the email to you, not as an invite, it would say his time zone. So it would say, hey, this is at, you know, 1.30. It would not adjust yep. for your time zone. But if he sends it as an appointment, it would. And yeah. I got to, I got to stop. Cause I could, I could, I could make, think of a million examples where it destroys like people's lives and, you know, kills innocent children. So anyway, <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Azure pick of the week. So this is something that actually came out minutes before the show started. Uh, but by the time we publish it, this will have been out a few days. So this is a new Azure feature called mobile engagement. And I hadn't heard of this before, but this came from a acquisition of a company called captain and, uh, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what all this does. So I recommend anybody who's listening who thinks this might be for them to check into it. But it it does a, a lot of analytics of your mobile application, and it, it looks like it supports iOS, Android, Windows Phone. Uh, it gathers all that data. But what's interesting about it is it's it's designed to increase and, and support different types of engagement. So as you do different things in the app or as you go into different geofenced areas, it can send you text messages or things that are relative to the things that you are doing. Um, so it's sort of a framework for that. Or I should say it's a it's a service and a framework that that does that. Um, so if you're looking for anything remotely related to that, I recommend checking it out. And I'm sure that uh, there'll be a lot more demos and articles coming out about that. And then, Carl, what do we have for the app of the week? This week's app of the week is OnStar. If you have an OnStar capable capable vehicle, uh, generally I think those are GM yeah. vehicles, um, you can uh, download. There's a recently updated for Windows Phone an app uh, that'll let you remote start your car, lock, unlock your car. If you re- started your car, you want to turn it off, you can do that. GPS track, map, I mean, all sorts of things. It looks pretty cool. Um, I don't have a vehicle like that, but it made me wish that all vehicles have smartphone integration. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my, I'm jealous of my dad every time he pulls out his smartphone and hits uh, start car and it starts, you know, wherever it is. Huh. Especially in, in this cold weather, that would be uh, pretty slick. Cool. Okay, and then, John, we play this game. Have you seen this game before that we play? Called You Gotta Be Kidding? I- I'll take that as a I no. Okay. Okay. No? It's real easy. You got it. First, you got to pick okay. a number between one and four. Okay. How about three? Three. Okay. And then you can answer this question. Would you rather have to walk around with six large balloons tied to your wrist for a year or with loud bells on your ankles for a year? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's, this, this is like, we give you all these like super tough questions and you get this and you're completely stumped. I love it. Yeah. I, I'm thinking. I want to lean towards the balloons because I'm figuring that those balloons are just going to pop. 
But then I'm assuming yeah, then that then someone around. will replace. Yeah, yeah, someone will have to replace them, right? If it, if it, I guess it depends on that. If the balloons once they're popped, then I just have to drag around like the pop. No, these are that, these are space age material balloons. They never pop. Uh, I'm gonna go with the bells then because if you, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever like tried to like bought like a balloon for for your wife or, yeah. or daughter or something right or a bunch of them and then you've tried to like get in go out of the st- the shopping market <laughs> and then go into your car and all that like man you'd be dealing with that all the time I'd rather just have bells. <laughs> well, you could just like close your door and leave them outside. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. but these if they're space age balloons, I mean, if you hit something, I don't know if it yeah i don't know yeah you probably get pulled over i guess yeah okay carl between one and four two i'll do two would you rather see everything upside down or hear everything backwards that one's actually easy and i can tell you why once you make a choice i i think it's the i'd rather see everything upside down because i I can imagine that being easier to adjust to have you guys seen that experiment it was a psychological experiment where they had to wear the mirrors and they got used to it and uh and then it seemed normal to them so so yeah that could actually be fine See, I would assume though with that one that it can adjust. Oh, <laughs> it's like an anti-adjustment but spell. E- <laughs> exactly. Even with that, even with that, if you're turning and you turn the wrong way, it's easier. I, I can't ever imagine trying to listen to somebody backwards. Yeah, all I don't the time. know how you get used to that. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever met somebody though that that can do that? I, a friend of mine, you can give him any word and he can immediately say it backwards. And it's something with the brain because I know there's other people that can do it with an entire sentence. Like they're not even thinking about it. You can just say a word uh, and they immediately say it. Oh, check this out. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-A-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. Do you, lo- do, you do a lot of drinking? <laughs> I always, you know, it's funny because I don't, I don't really, I don't really drink a lot, but I'm just like, you know, I should just memorize the alphabet backwards just in case, you know, <laughs> I just one night I just decided I was going to memorize it. So I just started going Z, Z, Y, Z, Y, X, Z, Y, X, W. And until I had the whole thing. Yeah. See what lack of television does to the brain. It's, it's not healthy, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then we have, so you actually came with some goodies. So do you want to tell us what you have here? Sure. Okay. So, uh, so first of all, I will give away a free copy of my soft skills book, a signed copy to, to someone who comments on the show. If they comment and they leave a comment and they say, uh, what, uh, what they, what they're planning on doing this year, how they're going to take their career to the next level. You know, what, what type of investment are they going to make in their career? Uh, and so I'll, I'll give away one of those. We'll just, I'll just pick randomly after maybe like a week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also, for, for anyone that's interested in my how to market yourself as a software developer course, uh, I will give anyone that's listening to the show and who has made it past the time zone uh, discussion <laughs> <laughs> to, to hear this part a uh, hundred dollars off. So, um, so what you can do is you can go to devcareerboost.com, D E V careerboost.com and then use the, the code uh, MS dev show and you'll get a hundred dollars off. That is awesome. Perfect. And then where can people find you if they want to read more? Uh, so best place is simpleprogrammer.com. And I've actually got a like a free blogging course that will pop up. You will see a pop-up. Oh my gosh. And then you can either decide that you hate <laughs> me because there's pop-ups on my site, or you can sign up for a free course I'm going to give you on how to blog, how to create a blog uh, to boost your career. And if you sign up for there, then you'll be on my mailing list. So you'll, you'll get all the kind of new uh, interesting things that I'm doing in YouTube videos, 
blog posts, all that stuff. So. Yeah, no, there's you put good stuff out there. I, I enjoy reading it. Thank you. And then Carl, where can people find you? I can be found at WPDevGuy.com or on Twitter. At okay, you can find me at YTechie.com or on Twitter at YTechie. So, John, thank you so much for coming on. This was a, we had some really good conversations, and I think we've settled the time zone issue, so that's good. And uh, <laughs> anytime you want to come on the show, we'd uh, we'd love to talk to you again. Sure, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's It's been a pleasure and an honor. Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at msdevshow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com. 